In the name of the Lord of hope, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If we were to ask you to define the word family, what would you say? Family. What does it mean to you? When you think of family, who comes to mind? Do you immediately think about your parents, your children, your grandchildren, your ancestors? What about those that you have lost touch with? What about those who have passed away? Now, some of you trace your lines back to those who arrived on the Mayflower. Some of us believe that we were here first in Jamestown. Some of you trace your lineage to tribal priests and queens in pre-colonial Ghana. And some of you trace back to Polish and Hungarian ancestors who passed the Statue of Liberty on their arrival. Now, it probably won't surprise most of you to know that I'm fascinated by history and that the royal families of Europe have been a particular concentration with them fighting back and forth, trying to trace how they'll find the next heir to the throne back through the millennia. In my own family, I'm proud at times to trace from a Norman knight who arrived with William the Conqueror and built a castle where I took some of the pilgrims a few years back. When the 8th Earl of Berkeley died without an heir in the 1920s, the family trustees traced back to the 1380s to a third son's descendants to find a male heir to the castle and the estates. Our senior branch of the family descended to the 24th generation, but it had devolved to Protestant women. And so genealogists of the day went back 27 generations to trace down through the centuries to Roman Catholic all males. All males. Now for the romantics among you, Don't despair about those women. They married into ducal families and American diplomats, and they're just fine. But amazingly, all of us have people that we trace to. Amazingly. Amazingly. One of my favorite expressions of my mother, in fact, was that while my father could trace his family back through the Holy Roman Empire to 323 B.C., She came from a long line of Irish washerwomen and horse thieves. Now, in our gospel this morning, we go back a long, long way. Some in imagination. Some to those who trace themselves in the family tree to governors, to kings, to harlots. And of course, this is what Isaiah is alluding to when he prophesied, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow from his roots. The tree of of Jesse, the most important of all family trees. Jesse, the father of King David, is from where Jesus' lineage begins, at least if you discount Adam and Abraham, and all in between. But there are a multitude 
of 43 generations between Jesus and Jesse. And Western art has been creative in depicting this lineage that actually changed humanity. If you have ever seen one of these depictions of the Jesse tree, they are amazing. Usually Jesse is at the base reclining with a tree coming from his side, much like the image of Adam with, when his rib was removed. The tree branches, then it mingles, then it intertwines around the ancestors of Jesus, where at the very center is Mary, and above her, Jesus. The Jesse tree at window at Chartres Cathedral is purported to be one of the top ten wonders of the artistic world. It is all glass and iron. It is spectacular. It is a window that continue, is in a continuous swirl of leaves and branches shaped into fleur-de-lis coming from Jesse's side. In the center is David and Solomon, and above them is Mary, surrounded by doves carrying the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with Jesus at the principal petition, position above her, larger than anyone else in the window. It is lavish. It is exquisite. It is magnificent. It is simple. And perhaps all of those words go to characterize the tree of Jesse. Each and every one detailed and carefully crafted to show Jesus' connection through Mary and to Solomon and David and therefore to Jesse. Now, Isaiah's prophecy has given this direction of the lineage of who the Messiah is and who, he most, who his most important ancestors are. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke both start with genealogies, and they come down to who exactly is contained within the family tree. But why, you may ask, is this important to us? Why do these readings actually tell us about Jesus, and do they? How do they correspond to one another? If we read on in Isaiah's prophecy, it is as if we are following the prediction of salvation history. From the beginnings of Jesse's line that will become actually real and fulfilled with Jesus' birth, and on to who Jesus is and was and will be. We hear the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Does that not sum up exactly who and what Jesus, the Messiah, would become? Now, without these attributes, how could Jesus be the one sent by God to save us? Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, spirit of knowledge, fear of the Lord. Through these, we see what it means to live into the image of God. Perhaps some among you have some of these attributes. Isaiah continues by telling us that he will not judge by sight or what he hears, but rather by what is righteous, good, and faithful. 
He is here to do the work that God has sent him to do. In telling us these ways of being, he exposes what it is we all should strive to do. Find the good rather than the evil. Find the hope rather than the criticism. Find the love rather than the hate. Be open to others' views and opinions even when we disagree. That's pretty good for today. Even when we disagree. For finally, Isaiah tells us what Jesus will create. He will establish a peaceable kingdom, a place where a child will lead us all, a place where no beast will hurt the innocent, where love will show its joyful light, where God's glory will intertwine just as the branches of the Jesse tree to surround us, protect us, and send us forth. From the root of Jesse, all people shall know peace. Now, lest we forget John the Baptist, hearkening on the Jordan's bank, he repeats the words of Isaiah and proclaims, Prepare, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. In our crazy world of materialism, in our crazy world so infected with politics, how will we prepare? What will we each do to allow a place to meet him when he arrives? Not just in our celebration of Christmas, but when we meet him at his coming again, day by day in our lives. Now we know Christmas is a time to reflect on our lives and the preparation of Advent allows us to learn to live again. It's a time of joy, time of celebration, time for family and friends of excitement, expectation. But we must not forget it's also a time not for busyness, but for contemplation of inclusion and of hope. You see, when we look at the tree of Jesse, we can track back in time to Jesus' life here in this world all the way to this date and this time where we are the members of that amazing lineage. You, me, Brothers and sisters around the world complete the tree for now. But there will be others, and we are to embrace them. And when we have gone, as surely we must, others will embrace those who are not yet part of the fold with the same branches with which Jesse himself surrounds us and leads us to Jesus. The embrace of that tree might be just in a gospel or in a prophet long ago. But just amazingly, just perhaps that tree engulfs us all. And just perhaps the love that Jesus has given still surrounds us, even in the world we live. For let us work towards that time when God 
will be all in all. Let us prepare our hearts to welcome the Prince of Peace once more into our family tree. For that tree is impressive, it is inclusive, and it is filled with hope. Amen.